0: we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Take your Bibles with me tonight and turn with me to Revelations chapter three. Revelation chapter three. We'll find our place thankful for the opportunity to preach tonight as always and to share to you with you what God's put on my heart what God's been speaking to me about um, looking forward to what God has for us tonight Revelation chapter 3 we'll find our place there in verse 13 verse 13 The Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou wert cold or hot verse 16 says so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot i will spew thee out of my mouth i'd like to draw your attention to verse 15 and 16 those two verses for the themed verses for tonight i know thy works he writes that thou art neither cold nor hot i would that thou wert cold or hot so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot i will spew thee out of my mouth If you're in the habit of making notes in your Bible, I'd I'd like to ask you to to underline those two verses as they are pertinent to the message tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we need your grace, and we're so thankful that your grace surpasses all of our sins. We're covered with the blood of Christ, and we are so thankful for that. We're thankful for this place that we can come together and we can worship you. And we can offer you our praise because of the grace that you've shown to us thank you help us lord to have a heart of gratitude in every area of our life every step of the of the way i pray lord that you would help us to sing praises to you to honor you to glorify your name we thank you for the opportunity to open up your word freely tonight i pray lord that you'd give me liberty i pray that you would speak to hearts holy spirit i pray that you would Convict where there needs to be conviction, encourage, Lord, where there needs to be encouragement. Help us, Lord, to heed your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In the first few chapters of Revelation, as we see here, John, the author, records a message from Christ to seven different churches. It's in this address that we find the term lukewarm Christian. Oh, it's we see it in this address uh, to the Laodicean church specifically. This church was struggling they had turned from their faith in Christ and were relying on their own strength to get by. This passage is addressed to a church, uh, followers of Jesus, and I believe that's important for us to understand. We often picture this passage written to the unbeliever as a warning, and like many of you, I've I've heard it preached in that context many a times, uh, but I believe after careful study that these specific verses here in Revelation chapter 3 our verses addressed to the believer. A few verses after verse 16 is the famous image of, of Jesus knocking on the door in verse 20. And both of these verses are addressed to the same church. It's not a warning to unbelievers, rather it's the result of Christians wandering away from God. And this passage is about how we as believers can become lukewarm, a stagnant in our walk with God, self-sufficient concerning our need for God, um, and, and, and that is what this passage is talking about, how we can become complacent even in our service to God. In doing so, what we do is we, we push Jesus out and we leave him standing on the outside of the door. That's the picture this verse is painting here in verse 20. Jesus standing outside a Christian's heart asking to come in. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have been in this place? Ask yourself that, that question and answer it in your own heart. How many of you have been in this very place. I'd venture to say that most of us, if not all of us, have been. I know certainly I have been. We can become so self-sufficient in our lives that even though we are believers in Christ, we are not walking with Christ. Which leads me to the context of this verse here in verse 16, our theme verse, one of our theme verses for tonight. There's a few important things that we need to understand about the church in Laodicea that will help us better understand and apply this passage tonight to our individual lives this church was positioned in an area of, of, of great resources and as a result they lived very very comfortable lives they were prideful in their ability to provide for themselves this attitude of, of self-sufficiency spilled over into the church there in Laodicea uh, they thought they could do it all themselves and they neglected Uh, to rely on God. And by the way, you and I need to be very, very careful uh, when we have this attitude that we don't need God. And, And so easily we can fall into this trap. At every step in your life, you will need the Lord. And I am learning that more and more as I go. Not only is there the reality that we always need the Lord, but Uh, There's also the reality that when we feel as if we don't need the Lord, we become useless to the mission and the work of God. And that's ultimately the theme of this passage tonight. Now, what is God's mission? It's just simply what I wrote down is for believers, individual believers, that we may grow in our knowledge of and our love for and our devotion to the Lord. That's a whole part of progressive sanctification, growing in the Lord growing closer to the lord as we draw to, close to him he will draw close to us we will learn more of him and uh, we will we'll become more devoted to the lord uh, for the world uh, that the world through the his sovereign power would come to the saving knowledge of christ and live according to his commands so when we have this attitude of pride and self-sufficiency we become useless to the mission of god both personally and corporately as we learn. In Revelation three sixteen, 16, uh, this image of lukewarm water that Jesus is speaking of here, that John is writing, this image of lukewarm water would have caused a very powerful reaction uh, from the Laodicean church. It's not a mistake or happenstance that uh, this title, uh, the title of this church that it is given is one of uh, lukewarm water. Uh, drinks are much better when they're hot or cold, am I right? It's, it's, a, it's a hot summer day. Man, we're getting into that season. How many of you w- perhaps were working outside yesterday? Saturday, anybody? Not many. Well, if you were, you would have really felt that sun. Maybe some of you were out golfing. Maybe, maybe, maybe some of you were out working in the yard or, or uh, doing something that you were outside for an ex- extended period of time, and you felt the heat of that sun. Can I just remind you, I think the high yesterday was, what, 76, 77? It's going to get a lot hotter, a lot quicker. But when it's a really hot day, I can imagine how some of these summer camp uh, workers feel. A cold drink is refreshing on a hot day. Uh, Imagine in your mind's eye, it's, it's November. It's November and Starbucks has just released their pumpkin spice latte. You don't want a cold pumpkin spice latte on a cold November day. Some of you do, all right? If you're like my wife, you do, it's cold drinks in any season, right? But for the most part, you want a hot drink. When you, when you get up in the morning and, and you, you feel those cold icy floors and you want something hot to drink, right? Drinks are just better when they're cold or they're hot. And that's just common sense. Uh, but all this city had access to was lukewarm water. The neighboring city of Hierapolis had a hot spring that was valuable for its medicinal effects. By the time it made its way to Laodicea through aqueducts, a conduit for channeling the water to their city, it had lost much of its heat and its medicinal value. It became lukewarm. Another nearby city that was enclosed here of Laodicea was Colossae. If you're familiar with the geography here, you'll know It was kind of encapsulated here in in between, sandwiched here in between Hierapolis and Colossae another neighboring city was Colossae. It had cool, refreshing, life-giving water that was the perfect refreshing beverage. But by the time the cool and refreshing water reached Laodicea, it was no longer cold. It was lukewarm. You see, this is nothing new, but hot water is very useful. Cold water is refreshing lukewarm water is not so useful what god is telling this church is that they are not useful to him Uh, they've become stagnant lifeless all about themselves they've become lukewarm which is why he says i am about to spit you out of my mouth powerful words from the lord jesus christ an image that the church would be very familiar with when they sip their own water supply God desired for them to be hot or cold, there was no in-between. I don't know about your four-year-old, but my four-year-old has been um, doing this thing where he wants straight answers when he asks me a question. There's no in-between, there's no room for maybe, or we'll see, It's, it's what he does is when he comes and asks me a question, he'll come up to me and he'll grab my face just like this and he'll say, dad, can I go play on the trampoline, yes or no? And if I even begin to say, well, we'll say yes or no. He wants a straight answer. I can appreciate that. Well, this is what God is telling them. He wants hot or cold. Anything in between is unacceptable to him. I wonder tonight, how many Christians in this room have become stagnant in their relationship with Christ. They've become unfruitful. They've become self-sufficient. They've become lukewarm. Very quickly, allow me to give you three signs of lukewarm Christianity. Three signs that we can observe from Scripture of lukewarm Christianity. Number one tonight, lukewarm Christians have little desire to spend time with God. Lukewarm Christians have little desire to spend time with God. Now again, remember, I am speaking to the church. The church is what? It's a body of believers. So just as this passage is speaking to believers, I am speaking primarily to believers. Lukewarm Christians have little desire to spend time with God. Concerning this truth, I've noticed themes in my own life when I become a lukewarm Christian. And I certainly have been there. I can imagine, like I said earlier, most of us, if not all of us, have been in that exact same place at some point in our Christian life. The first thing that I wrote down is no prayer life. No prayer life. Uh, There's so many verses in the Bible that not only exhort us to pray as believers, but command us to pray one verse that always speaks to me, many of you know this verse very well, is 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. These three words, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. What this means is to have our minds always on the things of God, to be in consistent communication with Him so that every moment we may be as fruitful as possible. I read a quote once that said this, pray P-R-A-Y without ceasing because Satan is praying P-R-E-Y without ceasing. May we as God's people have our minds and our hearts constantly fixed on him. Just as we sang this morning in the 830 service, turn your eyes upon Jesus, keep your eyes on him. No matter what life throws at you, keep your eyes on Christ. Now, it's easy for us preachers to get up here behind the pulpit, young or old or in between, and to say, do this, do that, keep your eyes on Christ, stay faithful to him, be walking with him, be in constant. But it's harder to do those things. Of course we know. But may we as a church determine to keep our eyes on Christ at every step of the way. Just as that quote said, pray without ceasing, because Satan is praying without ceasing. He's praying, P-R-E-Y upon our children he's praying upon our youth he's praying upon us as adults and how many avenues of 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 things traps that we can fall in in today's society as god is leading our church forward with under the leadership of our pastor as god is leading our church forward may we determine to pray without ceasing to stay close to the lord and i'm so encouraged to see our pastor uh, praying throughout the day. Uh, I have the privilege, of course, as his son-in-law um, to, to, to be at his house very much and things like that. And just to see him spending time with God is so precious to me, not just as his family, as a son-in-law, um, but as, a, as his uh, employee, as a staff member, as a member of this church, to see God working through our pastor. But may we all be in a constant communication, have our eyes consistently fixed on the Lord. I'm excited for everything that God's doing over here. I'm so excited about it. And my prayer, one of my prayers is, as I mentioned, as I approached the pulpit tonight, my prayer is that the spirit of this place would continually honor and glorify the Lord. Tell a lot about a church by the spirit of the place. I I was so refreshed as the music director um, to be a part of the Easter cantata. Oh, how encouraging that was. And I know, I know that you got encouragement from that as well. But I heard several people say to me and say to others, one thing that stuck out to them was the spirit of worship, was the spirit of the singers, was the spirit of the recipients of the congregants, the spirit of our pastor, the spirit of our instrumentalists. May we pray that God would help us to keep that spirit, a spirit that is fixed on the holiness of God. May we pray that God would help us to keep that spirit. Going back to my point tonight, lukewarm Christians have no prayer life. I want to encourage you to stay in constant communion with the Lord. Another thing that I wrote down was uh, no growth in scriptures. And again, I cannot speak for you, uh, but I can only speak for myself tonight. But lukewarm Christians have no growth in the scriptures. One of my favorite verses concerning this point is 2 Timothy 2.15. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's important to understand here that the Apostle Paul had just finished uh, commenting about the false teachers in the previous verse. Now in this verse, Paul urges Timothy to view himself as a worker seeking to please God. Uh, He was not serving to please other people, but to please the Lord. Paul knew well of the many ways that the world can distract a Christian's focus, and so many of you, all of us, could say the same. That's exactly the state that the church of, the, uh, of Laodicea was in, correct? They were distracted by the world's resources and their own ability to provide for themselves. Uh, going back to Timothy, what we find here is that Timothy's challenge is not only to be approved, but to be a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Paul had already spoken of not being ashamed on three different occasions in the previous chapter. Now listen, there's a lot that this church needs today, that the church of Christ needs today. But one thing that must happen if our children are going to learn the truth, uh, the truth is that we as God's people stand unashamedly for the truth of God's word. But here's my question to you tonight. How are we going to do that? I ask myself this question, how am I going to do that if we don't have a knowledge of God's word ourselves? So my encouragement to you tonight is to increase daily in the knowledge of truth. To increase in the knowledge of of truth. One commentator stated, "Uh, During times of suffering, Paul felt the need to emphasize boldness and faith to those tempted to avoid hardship and persecution. His boldness also involved rightly handling the word of truth. In contrast with the false teachers who argued over words, Timothy had learned the scriptures from his youth and was able to handle it accurately. That's a powerful statement. Timothy had learned to handle the scriptures from his youth. I'm thankful that we have programs here for children to learn the Bible. It encouraged my heart. Uh, During the 11 o'clock service, I'd slipped out, um, uh, to take a few pictures and just capture a few moments of what God's doing in our ministry, and I, I made my way down to the wonderfully made ministry, and I got to see those kids, uh, those those young adults even soak up the word of God as as one of our ladies were teaching them and teaching them with passion and with conviction and with love in her heart. It encouraged me. I never forget. Uh, a few months ago, when pastor had slipped out of one of the services and had gone down there just, just to say hello to everyone, to see everyone, he doesn't do that very often. And he came back in and was talking about how encouraged he was. As I slipped into some of the uh, Sunday school classes and as I slipped into some of the, um, the, um, the children's classes across the way, as, as you were hearing the word of God, uh priest this morning from Brian, uh, it encouraged my heart to see those kids uh, quoting scripture and saying it out loud. It's a wonderful wonderful thing i'm thankful that when my son comes home i hear him talking about how he learned that jesus loves him and that he died to save him what more could we ask for what more could we ask for i can say as john said with confidence i have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth i'm thankful I'm thankful for the Word of God, and I'm thankful that we have opportunities here for our children to learn the truth, not not the world's truth, not this truth and that truth. You hear that said a lot today, oh, this is my truth. There is only one truth, and that's the truth of the Word of God. I'm thankful for that. I'm encouraged by it. I tell you, it puts it on a whole other level when your four-year-old comes home quoting Scripture. Talking about the love of Christ. the other night, I was putting him to bed, and, and Baylor's over there, you know, who knows what he's doing? Probably grabbed a crayon somewhere, Is drawing on the wall. I just, you know, give him a kiss, good night. Um, I'm talking with Baylor and our Ben, excuse me, and, and, and we'll be praying together, and uh, he prayed the other night. He said, "Dear Jesus, and normally he just goes in the list of our of our family members. Pray for Pops and Muzz and Avery and Macy and Connor and Hope, and he goes all the way down. It's precious to me. The other night, he, he threw something else in that prayer. He said, thank you for dying on the cross for me. From the moment that Kaylee and I knew that we were expecting our first child, with conviction we prayed, Lord, please save them at an early age. save them. Holy Spirit, don't leave them without them coming to the saving knowledge of your Son. And we continue to pray that. But I'm so thankful for this place and for them to hear the truth of the Word of God. What a blessing that is. Number two tonight, lukewarm Christians have little desire for the sacred things of God. Lukewarm Christians have little desire for the sacred things of God. When I think about the sacred things of God, I think about music. As a music director, I, naturally, I think about music. We, of course, know that music is not the entire basis of worship, uh, as our culture today likes to say it is, uh, but I believe that it's a big part of it. And while I know that there are different styles of music for different settings, and that's a whole other conversation, I believe as a whole that our music should be sacred in nature. One thing that I wrote down is music slash worship, because I believe it goes hand in hand. And let me just say this to you tonight. It is impossible. It is impossible to be a, the Christian you want to be if you are consistently, and that is the key word, consistently filling your mind and your emotions with music that contradicts the words of Christ. It's just common sense. I told this to the high schoolers uh, a few weeks ago. It's like me preparing for a math test by studying a history book all week it just doesn't make any sense and and you can you can phrase it however you want we can try and phrase it however we would like but the reality is that you cannot listen to the filth of this world on a consistent basis and expect to be anything more than a lukewarm christian you can't do it it's night and day it's black and white the second thing I, i wrote down under the sacred things of god is church Church. Our culture today is trying to dumb down the sacredness of the church, and I believe, I believe wholeheartedly that that is one of Satan's agendas. It's to dumb down the sacredness of the church. Romans 12 2 says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In the context of this point tonight, Uh, We as God's people are to be set apart from the world concerning the church. What our culture says today is in order to reach the world, we must become like the world. That is a a, a massive contradiction to the words of God. It's important to understand as God's people that Jesus certainly sat with sinners, but Jesus did not sin with sinners. I believe your music should be different than the world's music. I believe your speech should be different than the world's speech. I believe your behavior should be different than the world's behavior. I believe uh, that the church should look different than the world. We're not here on Sundays to make ourselves feel better. Contrary to popular belief, that is not why we're here. Alistair Begg, many of you know him. Wonderful preacher, a preacher that's helped me very much. He tells him a story of a church he was visiting and he said, he said, I was a little confused. He said, the pastor or the music director, whoever it was, came up to, to, to begin the service and welcomed everyone. And the first thing he says was, how are y'all feeling this morning? He said, what do you mean, how are we feeling this morning? We feel terrible. He said, we've, we've gone all week, been beat up by the world, trying to discipline our kids, trying, trying to, to, to. Uh, go against the grain, as it were, in every aspect of life. We don't feel good if that's what you're asking. That's not what we're here to do. Now, you may leave this place feeling good, and, and I hope that you do many times. We're thankful that we can be edified and encouraged by the Word of God and by the gospel that's being proclaimed as we sing to the Lord and magnify His name. What a blessing it is to hear that Jesus looked beyond our fault and he saw our need. What a blessing it is to know that when Jesus views me, regardless of the sins of my past, regardless of the sins of my future, and he views me through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that ought to make you feel good. But that is not why we're here. We're here to offer to the best of our ability, our worship and our praise, to a holy, sovereign God. Ron Owens is the author of a book entitled Return to Worship. In his book, he attempts to lead God's people to see that the primary issue to be considered is not the how of worship, but the who of worship. He writes this, Somehow we've managed to conceive of a God who is one of us. He says, I once heard a song on a Christian radio that had this recurring phrase, He's just like me. This kind of thinking, he says, is close to blasphemy. He says, I thank God that He's not like me. Although our Savior stooped to become a man, to put on flesh, and to live among us, He never ceased from being God. He lived a sinless life and he offered himself in sacrifice for someone just like me, but he was never just like me. He continues to say, fundamental to offering God acceptable worship is having a correct view of who he is. If our view of God is anything other than his self-revelation through his word, then the God we worship is one of our own making, one fashion to suit what we want. God to be. The church is a place where the people of God are to respect, are to honor and acknowledge the holiness of God. We answer a question tonight, are you desiring the sacred things of God? Or do you desire that as a follower of Christ? Number three, and lastly, lukewarm Christians fear the punishment of God greater than sin itself. Lukewarm Christians fear the punishment of God greater than sin itself. A 26 year old girl named Michelle wrote a blog concerning this topic. And here's what she had to say. I just thought it was interesting. She says, lukewarm Christians aren't truly afraid of their sin. Instead, they're afraid of the consequences of their sins. They are afraid of the punishment that they will receive more than the fact that they genuinely hate sin and truly want to lead a life without any sin. They don't truly believe that the life that Jesus will offer them is better than the one that they are living in right now. Powerful words. May we heed those words. Proverbs eight, thirteen says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. What does this mean to fear the Lord? This means to be in reverent awe of his holiness. To be in reverent awe of his holiness. So if we truly have a proper view of God, we respect him, we love him, we desire to honor him, then we will hate that which displeases him. And there is nothing that displeases him more than when a child of his willfully lives a life of sin why because he loves you simply put and he hates that sin in your life so much that he literally gave his son to die for that sin that's how much he hates that sin he longs to forgive you that sin here's my exhortation to you tonight it's found in psalm 101 verse 3 says i will set no wicked thing before mine eyes I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. We ought to write that down on a sticky note, on the mirror in our bathroom, on on something, on a piece of paper, put it on the fridge. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Now, don't raise your hand. Answer this in your own heart. Do you desire to be used of God? I don't mean to confuse you tonight. I don't mean to confuse you. Is he speaking about uh, uh, our usability for the Lord, our, our willingness to be used of God? Is he speaking about what it means to be a lukewarm Christian? I believe they go hand in hand. This is what John is writing to the church of Laodicea. Jesus is saying... I I would that you were hot or cold, because when you're lukewarm, you're useless to my work. You're useless to the mission of God. God is doing, as I said earlier, a great work here. We can all sense that. We we all know it. Praise His holy name for it. I, I pray as we as we sang in choir practice that all the praise goes to Jesus. All the praise to Him alone. But I ask you this question. How many, of, how many members do we have in this church that have become lukewarm Christians? As God is moving us forward, I can't answer this for you, but I'd venture to say that all of us would agree that we desire to be used of God. We desire to be used of God in our community. We desire to be used of God in our homes, in our children's lives, in our family members' lives. God cannot use someone who is not willing to be used god cannot use someone who is so set on their pride and their self-sufficiency it's all about me it's all about what i want it's all about what i have i, I told my wife when we first got married i said honey i'm just being honest with you uh you're marrying someone who, who most likely will not be very wealthy in this life financially speaking And that's that's not because I don't believe in myself or anything of that sort, but I know that what money does to me, boy, when I have what I consider a lot of money, um, I I, I tend to just coast. I don't know how you are, but for me, um, when I I, I feel that everything's okay, And, and no doubt, no doubt, there's nothing wrong with that, but how often, financially speaking, we can get into that boat of self-sufficiency well i've got everything covered i i, I don't really need anything else and therefore we're, we're pushing god out of our lives can i tell you something that if you are a child of god god will do something to get your attention it, it may not be pleasant it may not be pleasant god has done that several times in my life and let me tell you it wasn't pleasant but it was necessary. And I'm very thankful for God's leading in my life. Do you desire to be used of God? When we are not spending time with God, when we are not desiring the sacred things of God, and when we are more concerned uh, with the uh, chasing of God rather than the sin in our lives, we are just like the Laodiceans. We're useless to the work of God. I can't speak for you, but I desire to be used of God that is my desire the Lord knows my heart I desire to be used of God however he sees fit may our prayer be tonight that we would draw close to him walk with him talk with him honor him fear him so that God may take our lives and use them for his glory I I think it's important to to say this before I close that in verse 3 if you'll go home and you'll read Revelation chapter 3 you'll see on three different occasions that John writes the exact same words. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I believe that when the same verse is, is repeated in one setting, I believe that that is not done by happenstance. I believe that, that John Placed an emphasis on that verse because he wants believers to hear what the Spirit saith unto to the churches. May we draw close to the Lord. I believe Frances Havergal said it best when she penned the words: "Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for Thee." Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my love, my God I pour at thy feet, its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all